Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. I'm really excited about today's episode. I hope you guys are, too. As you can see, we got Raja Karuth on the show with us. DC's own at that to chat about his exciting announcement with Alpha Prime Racing. But that's only the tip of the iceberg, people. We talked about his entire career, where it went, how it became so rapid so quickly, all the fun stuff in between. He's a really cool dude, and I'm really glad to have him on. I've been wanting to have him on forever, as we talked about, but the time was right. It was prime time. See what I did there? Plus, we got Daytona to recap, the playoffs to preview. But before we do any of that, we got to pay homage to a certain number 23 this week. I'm now tossing to my dad with the Wayback segment before I have the Wayback segment, so I hope he didn't go rogue on me. We'll see. Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 123. Today we look back on the racing career of one of Mama Siegel's favorites and the man who had her favorite NASCAR nickname. Mongo! Jimmy Spencer was a fan favorite and one of the biggest, figuratively and literally, characters of his racing era. He earned the nickname of Mr. Excitement for his aggressive racing style, but he also became known as Mongo. Remember the Sirius XM car he drove with the dog on the hood? Daryl Waltrip, knowing Spencer's reputation for aggressive and sometimes destructive driving, likened that pooch to Alex Karras's character from the movie Blazing Saddles. Spencer liked it and ran with it. Don't think, though, that Spencer was only a comic relief driver. His skills were legit. He was the NASCAR National Modified Champion in 1986 and 1987 and participated in nearly 500 cup races over an 18-year career. 157 of those were in the 23 car, more than any other driver by far. In addition to two cup wins, Spencer also raced and won in the truck series and recorded 12 wins in the Xfinity series. Spencer also became well known for taking care of his business both on and off the track, just ask Kurt Busch. During the 2003 season, when Busch still had a bad boy image of his own, he and Spencer clashed several times on the track. After Michigan that year, Spencer went looking for Bush and threw a haymaker at him through the car window on Pitt Road. It earned Spencer a one-week suspension and a plethora of adoring fans. No surprise that Spencer was able to parlay his magnetic personality into a successful post-racing commentary career. That's all for this week. Back to you, Duve. Kachiga! I am now wrapping up the Wayback segment that I do not have, so I'm thanking my dad blindly for hopefully doing a good job, and maybe he went rogue, maybe he didn't. I don't know. 
Regardless, we start this episode off as we always do. With a good old-fashioned reggaeton! Kind of a diluted reggaeton because Robin's in the closet currently right now taking a meeting. That's what you get with uh, one-bedroom apartments in major cities, people. Coke Zero Sugar 400 from Daytona International Speedway. Let's recap it. The regular season finale, it was pretty lit per usual. Intense, chaotic, entertaining, a lot of jockeying for a lot of different spots. Everything in between, you got it. And it winds up being young Ryan Blaney, although he's kind of just regular adult Ryan Blaney now. For the second week in a row, who comes home with the win, his third victory of the 2021 season. He's now got a 19-point cushion on the bubble thanks to his padding of playoff points over the last couple weeks. How about it? Winning at Daytona, it's always a big deal for any driver in any form of motorsports. And Ryan Blaney just happens to be the latest. You know, those, those things, you try to think about those races that you lose, especially at 500. And we didn't, you know, we didn't throw it away. I mean, just things didn't work out for us. And, um, you know, you try not to think about that too much, but, but you do, you know, it kind of, it kind of eats at you, you know, you're like, man, we've been so close here twice. I know this, you know, this race isn't the 500, but it's still at Daytona and it's still really special, especially to me. And, you know, and it's also special. I mean, I, I remember coming here, you know, watching dad race for years and years and years and, and the 500 and the, and then the July race, what it was back then. And just super cool to me, you know, and, and I had kind of a surreal moment sitting in victory lane of kind of just looking out at, you know, the lights shining on you and you see the, you know, the big sign of, you know, Daytona and, um, world center of racing and, and just really cool. You know, as a kid, it's, it's just neat. I grew up here a lot and watching dad run and it's really special. Um, so proud, proud of everybody and, uh, cool to, cool to be in victory lane at a place like this. All right, guys, here is how the playoff field stacks up with 10 races to go in the season. The first round being at Darlington, Richmond and Bristol, baby. Let's run it down. The last seed. Crazy to think that this man is the 16th seed in the playoffs after the year he had last year. Kevin Harvick with count him, zero playoff points. Nuts. Absolutely insane. Tyler Reddick is the 15 seed. Eric Amarola, the 14 seed by virtue of his New Hampshire win. Michael McDowell, the 13 seed via the Daytona 500. Christopher Bell, the 12 seed via his Daytona road course win. Kurt Busch is the 11 seed thanks to his win. Brad Keselowski is the 10 seed. Joey Logano, the 9 seed. The top eight, the top half, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney is the two seed now, tied with Truex, and Kyle Larson. So that's pretty big because Larson won the regular season title. He's got those 15 extra playoff points. Denny Hamlin finishes second in the regular season championship battle, and he instead of being second in the, in the playoff standings, he is all the way down in seventh. So that's a big deal for him. So let's talk about the playoffs briefly, just because I know we're going to preview Darlington a little bit, but you got to talk about the man who did not get in, and that's Austin Dillon. He was involved in a wreck late on the final lap, so he obviously was not going to be able to finish the race. Tyler Reddick somehow comes through the wreckage. I feel like he was involved in like two separate cautions. His car was not looking too pretty, but he did come through relatively unscathed and got into the playoffs his first time as a playoff contender. So we'll be interested to see how he performs this year for RCR. Also, got to give a shout out to Josh Balicki. 
How about that? Top 10 finish for him and Rick Ware Racing. He was the only Rick Ware car that did not crash. And BJ McLeod with a P9 finish after Chris Buescher finished second but was disqualified for Live Fast Motorsports. We love the smaller teams. We love Live Fast and Josh Balicki on this podcast. Really happy for them. Good to see the smaller guys getting some shine in the top 10 at Daytona. We also got to mention the Xfinity Series race that started on Friday night, bled on over into Saturday morning in the afternoon. College racing is so damn good on super speedways. I mean, literally, all they do is win and work together and win some more. One, two, four finish, and they come across the line three wide for the win. Justin Haley earns his fourth super speedway victory, not even counting his Cup Series one at Daytona. That was rain shortened and luck impacted, but a win is a win is a win. But it's his first win of the season, and it's a big-time one for him. He was emotional after the race because this season has taken a toll on him mentally. Even though he's got a full-time Cup ride for next year with Colleg, this year, this Xfinity win... It means a lot to him. And to have those Colleg Racing teammates working with him all the way to the start-finish line, man, that's a good feeling. Me and Jeb were, were kind of back in traffic, and we needed to make a run. Obviously, having AJ up there to kind of help us out, getting the draft um, was good. So we formulated a plan, me and Jeb did, and it worked uh, as it should. And uh, we got up there, and then from there on out, um, you know, Seabell was on the inside there on that last lap. And AJ was, was doing both lanes. And at, at that point, um, when we got the one to go, you know, I was sixth on the outside and I was like, well, I mean, it was, it was a good day. Um, we'll just push one of these guys to the win right there. And then, um, got a lot of momentum from him. I kind of backed myself up out of two and, and got to Jeb's right rear quarter panel. Um, and, uh, you know, Hemmer gave me a great shove, uh, out of four. So, um, yeah, it's really cool to, uh, to race your teammates for the win like that. It was super close, which is, which is awesome. Um, the 11 team definitely needed this. It's been a tough year. So um, awesome. Last few laps, I wouldn't say I gave up there, but I, I definitely, um, you know, didn't think it was going to be in our favor. But uh, super cool to come out with a win, uh, especially back-to-back. It's uh, pretty awesome. Before we throw it over to our interview with Raja, you guys know I got to tell you this week about Rhino Classifieds. As always, they gave away Vaughn Gittin Jr.'s drift truck, came on the scene with the bang, and they were created by the founder of Racing Junk, because he wanted to create a more streamlined buying and selling app that allowed users to see what they wanted rather than all those ads that get in the way and the random crap that nobody wants. So head on over to rhino.co. You can make a free account and find just the thing you need and you can post yours as well. Rhino.co, classified for racers, built by racers. I'm so excited for you guys to hear my chat with Rajat Karuth newly announced driver for Alpha Prime Racing on a limited basis next season, going for the Rookie of the Year honors in 2023, should everything go according to plan. Also going to run the full ARCA schedule next year, but the here and the now is what we talked about in a lot of this conversation. Being from DC, how he started getting involved with racing, why the Drive for Diversity program was so integral in his development, adjusting to late models, adjusting to legends cars, adjusting to full-bodied stock cars, leaning on guys like his dad, Bubba Wallace, Mark Green at Rev, looking at iRacing and William Byron as a potential path to pursue, being accepted into the program, the Driver Diversity program, as the first and to date only driver with no real racing background and also dealing with racism in the sport. Obviously being an African-American in a white dominated sport, Raja's had to endure some racism, unfortunately, and we talked at length about that. Got a little bit deep, but 
It was a good conversation. And we also had a lot of fun talking about DC, some sports scenes in the DC area, uh, whether or not he can actually dunk, uh, being an actor on the cover of some magazines, and so, so much more. I'll get out the way and let you hear my conversation with the 202's own Raja Karuth. This may be the longest time coming interview in the history of Victory Lane because this man grew up down the road from where I am right now. It is Washington, D.C.'s finest, D.C.'s own Rev Racing slash Alpha Prime Racing's Raja Karuth. Who is a listener of the show, by the way. You still listen, right? Yes. Of course you do. You're a loyal listener. DC homie's got a rep. 100%, man. Family for life. That's what I'm saying. Well, as I was telling you, Raja, earlier, I was texting you a while ago to see when you were going to be in DC next because I wanted to do an interview in person because I haven't done an interview on the podcast in person forever. But you're in Charlotte. You're doing your thing. Clearly doing it well. And I felt like there was no more better time. One would say that this is the prime time to do an interview with you today because you got a whole heck of a lot of stuff going on, my man. You got unread texts. You got homework to take care of. So I appreciate you giving me some time because you're a busy man these days. Yeah, no problem, baby. It's, it's been a minute, so I'm excited to get going. It has. Well, I, I teased you that it's the prime time to have you on, but it's true because Alpha Prime Racing with Cesar Baccarella, Tommy Joe Martins, I see it right there on your chest. Say it with your chest. Uh, you're going to be part-time next year in the Xfinity Series, man. That's pretty wild to probably hear people say to you because considering where you were a couple of years ago, that probably wasn't even on your radar. Yeah, man. I literally was just – so I was at GoPro with my go-kart earlier, and I was thinking, like, it was, like, two and a half years ago that – the only racing experience I had was on iRacing and in a 206 go-kart for like three sessions. And now next year will be Xfinity stuff part-time. So it's a testament to my my dad and my, my family and um, everybody at NASCAR Drive for Diversity for helping me mature and, and learn. And um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a pretty fun experience next year. I would hope so. I mean, it's been probably a whirlwind of emotions and a fun experience, albeit a busy one in the last few days. You haven't done a lot of homework. You got a lot of text calls to make, but it's good to be busy. As we said, it doesn't mean it's any less stressful, but it's good to have all these people in your corner, which I'm sure you're grateful for. Yeah, exactly. I'm grateful to have like a, a great support system with my family and friends. And um, I think what's weird is like, I used to think like, oh, this, this stuff will be easy. I mean, it's just I mean, it's just driving, right? It can't be that mm -hmm. difficult. But in reality, it is not that simple. That is like the very tip of the iceberg. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's cool, too, that your three races for next year that have been announced, possibility to do some more. Richmond, close to home. Dover, close to home. Martinsville, kind of close to home. I think on the cup schedule, though, there may be a couple other ones, but or on the national series schedule, I should say, those are the three closest tracks to DC. Is that coincidence or is that just kind of, was that pr like pre-prepared? It was kind of both like, and Pocono is one of the races we're looking at too. And Pocono was yeah. like three or four hours. So um, that was really a, uh, really from a short track standpoint, I'll race the late model race at Martinsville in the fall. So I'll have some track time there. I'll right. race Kansas in an ARCA car later this year. 
Um, and so getting those reps at those types of bigger racetracks with the right side of window as well at Kansas. Um, so that way come next year, um, doing short track stuff like Martinsville and Richmond and, and those two places being short tracks, like that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years and haven't jumped up to the intermediates yet. Um, but that we figured, felt that was the best decision to go racetrack wise, just because um, that's kind of what I've been doing for the last little bit. Um, and then for Dover, like we, we ran so well done there in the ARCA car this year. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, I just made the most sense to do that race too. I felt like I found a liking to that racetrack and both Richmond and Dover, I've been going there since I was 12 or 13. Right. So it's, it's pretty weird to have it come all full circle, like seven, eight years later. It's going to be pretty hype to have friends and family in the area here close to those tracks. So you're not asking them to go out West to Fontana or Sonoma or something like just hop in the car, come see me race. It's a big deal. It's going to be awesome to have your friends and family there. COVID hoping that it, you know, cooperates, but that'd be hype. Yeah. It'll be a little bit weird because I guess at more and more races, I, I guess more and more people I know I see, I guess you get what I'm saying. And like, Mm -hmm. like, more people will say hi to me. And I'm, a lot of times I'm just like, how do you know who I am? This is very, very weird. So I guess to have like, like friends and stuff that I went to high school with and yeah. people that I've known since, I mean, I was just playing basketball and soccer, you know, like that'll be like pretty surreal. I think when, when that experience happens in less than a year, which is also very surreal to think. Yeah, it is. I, I got so many questions and we're going to touch on a lot of things when it comes to you, your career, DC, everything in between. But let's stick on Alpha Prime for a little bit. I think a lot of people have, you know, when they saw the announcement, they knew your name. They knew Caesar. They knew Tommy Joe. But they're thinking, why now? How did this happen? When did conversations start? Why is he skipping trucks? He's still doing ARCA. Why dabble now? Why go for rookie in 2023? So connect some of the dots for us here. When did conversations start with Tommy Joe slash Caesar? Uh, did they go to you? Did you go to them? Did you guys have a prior relationship? And how did the ball start rolling on this thing getting off the ground for next year? Yeah, I mean, I had a prior relationship a little bit with Tommy. I think he knew who I was. He After we blew right front of Dover, Tommy texted me after that. Um, so I think that's kind of where that relationship started. Um, and I think midway through this year, I started kind of exploring options and just to how to be in the race car more because, you know, I was doing late model races, but I've only run seven ARCA races this year. And, you know, everybody that I'm racing against has had test sessions. I've been in these cars for the last yeah. two plus years. Right. And my first time in the car was at new Savannah for practice in February. So, um, it's really was on the move of, of looking for more opportunities to race and to learn. Um, and, Definitely, I've been in good quality, I, I would say, cars, but obviously not spaceship-level cars. So right. learning, I guess, the right way of how to race and, and how to do things, how you're supposed to do. Um, and so I, I felt like this was a good avenue to explore. And then really Brad Perez connected me for real with Tommy, and and that's how that relationship really that. started folding together. And um, I believe Caesar came into the picture not too long ago mm-hmm. um, and and – really helped what with what Tommy was doing in terms of getting more into the ownership and stepping back as a, as a driver. So right. um, 
I think that's kind of how it started. And it's going to be good because next year I'll run the full ARCA schedule back with Rev and mm-hmm. I'll be in, I'll be on the same racetrack. If I go to, to, to Kansas and Pocono, like it's free practice as well. So I feel like that's going to be important, especially if, if ARCA goes back to Dover, I know that's still up in the air for next mm-hmm. year, but um, I feel like it's going to pay dividends if, even if there's not practice uh, next year. Yeah, seat time is seat time, especially in an era now where in the National Series there's a lack of practice, lack of qualifying, and a lack of seat time overall. So that'll be valuable for sure. I know that you mentioned in a, in another interview, you know, you've seen drivers come up through the ranks that you had idolized and that you had looked up to, and they've gone a little bit too fast. I think one of the names you mentioned, here's one for the Wayback Machine, Dylan Kwasniewski. Mm-hmm. Um, and people may look at you and say, okay, like we've known about him for a while. He started on iRacing. He's gone through the driver development program, Drive for Diversity. He's with Rev. He's doing ARCA. But that might be a little bit quick to move up to Xfinity when he doesn't really have any truck starts and during his first full ARCA season. So what would you say to people that may say, well, I think he's moving up a little bit too quick because clearly you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't think that you were ready and capable. Yeah, Davey, I mean, I've uh, this is without a doubt through – heavy consult or consolation, I guess, or consult, whatever the word consultation. is. It's hard, consultation. It's hard. Consultation of like Mark Green, Doug Howe, Corey LaJoy, Bubba Wallace, like a lot of people that I have relationships with and telling me, all right, this is what you sh- I suggest you should do. And like people that have my best interest in mind, giving me recommendations. And so, I mean, bottom line is being in the race car is how I'm going to get better. And so mm-hmm. that's why, um, we felt that it is the best decision to, to start to get my feet wet in Xfinity next year, in addition to running the full ARCA schedule. And by no means, that doesn't mean I won't run a truck at some point, right? It's it's all financial. Someone gave me a quarter million dollars and said, hey, go run a niche truck for X amount of races next year. Yes, sir. Like, without a <laughs> doubt, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's it's all financial financially based. And luckily, I've had great partners that have allowed me to get to where I'm at now. Um and really we're going to have some cool ones for next year i'm hoping and um if more come then we'll explore more truck or truck races or just more time to get in the race car so that way i guess come 23 if i'm racing xfinity full-time or arca again and more xfinity races that way um i feel like i'm I'm more along my progression and uh kind of understand what's going on as well and to get rookie year in 23 too that's right. That was a key thing in the press release that Tommy Joe made very clear. But I feel you on the money thing because, I mean, you you don't got to tell me and everybody listening to this probably knows, like, it's a pay-to-play sport now. And yep. it's very rare that you see a driver without significant funding that can come up through the ranks. And that's what makes somebody like your mentor, right? And we'll get to him later. But, like, that's what makes some someone like Bubba or Ross Chastain, who's in the Cup Series now. And you, you don't see guys like Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch, Brad Keselowski – who got into the sport in the mid to early 2000s when it was booming. Like, that was a completely different time. Ironically, that's when we started watching and started getting into it, but it's not like that anymore. So you understand kind of what it takes to get to this point, which I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, you know, your rapid progression, because like you mentioned, two years ago or so, all the experience that you had was in a go-kart for a little bit, and maybe some other vehicles here and there, it was mostly iRacing. And the progression that you've had from that point, and even when you first started racing on the internet too, like sim racing, it's been super, super rapid. And I think that's what makes where you are now, where you're going to be next year, 
all the more impressive because it's not like you just came in and bought a seat, right? It's like you have paid your dues. You have gotten the experience. You have leaned on people to say, am I doing the right thing and making this move? And you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't do it if they said, I, w- I would lay off a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. Like you have the support of people and then you have the right people in the right place financially, emotionally, what have you to make everything go according to plan. And it's going to be good for you. It's not going to be too fast. It's not going to be something that you're putting yourself in a precarious position. Exactly. Like, it's not like we're doing eight East races and three other or three main ARCA races. And we're going to a Daytona and Xfinity car. Like that's not the case. That's not, that's not what's happening. I mean, right. the, the goal has been the same for me personally. And Mark Green tells me this, this every time that I race, whether it's a late model whether it's racing a legend car at the Charlotte road course, whether it's going to Milwaukee on Sunday, it's throwing all the laps and learn all you can. That's literally the goal. And you can't learn if you're tearing stuff up and you don't know what's going on. So um, the, the goals don't change. And it's really um, like, like we both just talked about, like it, we felt like this was the, the, the next step um, and to just do it, I guess the right way. And I feel like if I just do what I'm supposed to do and just listen and work hard on and off the racetrack, I feel like come Daytona for the ARCA stuff that will we'll be in competition for the, hopefully the national championship next year. And um, for the Xfinity races, I'll have, get some clean races under my belt and learn what it takes to be successful in that division. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people, when they saw the release and they saw the news, they're saying, wow, Raja's going Xfinity racing and buried in it. And what people maybe are not paying so much attention to is that, what we mentioned, you're running the full ARCA schedule next year with Rev. I think Nicky Bob is going to do the same with you as well alongside. Yeah, um, it's going to be fun drafting with him at Daytona. Me and oh him God. have been talking about this for like the last like three months. Like oh Daytona's Talladega. We're excited for that. <laughs> it's going to get reckless in a good way. In a good way. A good I'm way. excited to see that. Yeah. But I mean, that's something that I think people aren't maybe not paying as much attention to because they're so excited about Alpha Prime and the announcement and you moving up. But that's going to be a big thing for you, too, because like we mentioned, you've had experience this season in full-bodied stock cars, but it's your first season in full-bodied stock cars. So next year, to get a full year under your belt, and knock on wood, Ty Gibbs ain't going to be there, so you got a shot for some wins. Um, You know, you'll have more opportunities to get seat time, complete all those laps, and learn, just like Mark Green tells you. So that's a big part of this whole announcement, too. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's just um staying along the progression that we've kind of outlined like jason simmons from nascar told me like the first summer that i did the shootout like all right write down what series you want to be in what year and what year you think will be in cup and i was like okay let's say 2028 or 2029 we'll be in contention for a cup ride and none of this was really in the forefront of decision making but Mm -hmm through how the progression has gone so far and the people that I've, I've met and, and grown to have relationships with. And I guess how we've done on the racetrack is kind of sped things up. Um, so, man, I'm, I'm just kind of excited and it's weird because we got to wait till next April. So however, wow. that's what, eight months ish. I don't Something know. Something like that. I'm not good at math, but yeah, nonetheless, um, the goal right now though, is just, I want to finish the rest of this year the best I yep. can. Um, Milwaukee wasn't that good for us as a team. Um, and I make a, made a rookie mistake at the end of the race as well. So, um, overall I'm glad that I'm having, you know, these extreme experiences this year, like at new Smyrna, like we had a stack up on the restart of the, or the first start of the race. Right. And I was right up on the person in front of me, I believe it was Mason Diaz. And I just, I ran in the back of him because 
front row missed a shift and that accordion all the way back. Right. And so ran like probably 10 degrees hotter and the gauges were flashing red. And I thought I needed a pit and in reality, I could have stayed out and just ran my fan, but I didn't know that. And so having first experience, race. right, exactly. And so having those experiences like that, where never had a, I've had a radiator fan in late model, but never had bead fans, never had a front brake fan. Haven't had to be in a like 3,200 pound car having brakes that actually work like a lot of things. Right. And having experiences like that, having experiences like Dover going to my first fast racetrack, having experiences like going to Iowa and learning a lot about the aerodynamics there and, and really dirty air and, and how to manipulate your and other people's cars. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to, to have had those this year and to have my people around me to, so that way, up next year i'm not making those same mistakes i've already experienced the those types of situations so come next year i'll be better prepared to do it whether it's in my head or mark green is telling me or if if i i literally texted chris lambert yesterday and asked if if um he could come with me to some of my races and he said maybe so fingers crossed on that too pretty sweet yeah big name on the spotter stand so that'd be pretty cool if you could uh lure him away all right I know that a lot of people know your story and they say, yeah, Rajah started iRacing and now he's where he is now. That's cool. But the story goes deeper. I think I did my research and I think I know that it dates back to the mid-2000s. It has to do with a book, The Complete History of NASCAR, which I too have, by the way. Uh, The movie Cars, incredible, obviously. And a whole hodgepodge of other things. So before we get into iRacing, Drive for Diversity, all those types of things... Tell the people how a kid from Washington, D.C. gets involved with NASCAR. What drew you to the sport in general? Oh, boy. Okay, so. I'm strapped in. Let's get it. All right. So I was born in Atlanta, right? And so raised, lived there for a little bit, lived in Virginia Beach, lived in Brooklyn for like five years or whatever, and moved to D.C. in 2009. And so at that point, like I already like had like toys and stuff, like was interested in NASCAR. But at that point, like. I mean, you're a kid, right? And you phase out of things like that. But for whatever reason, I really didn't phase out of it. Like I just, it just grew more and more with time. And like my dad and my mom immigrated here from from the Caribbean and from London, like not racing people whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, And so, I mean, it was just from the interest I got probably from Lightning McQueen. I can't remember dad and mom say that's what it was. I guess that's what it was. So, um that it just snowballed over time and went to my first race 2014 at richmond for the virginia 529 college savings race and the cup car is qualified before the or the nationwide race and i will never forget that because that was just the first moment of like all right this is it like like that i remember that day like so vividly um and from then on like went to richmond went to dover went to pocono uh, went to Daytona on like a spring break trip for no race, but that was like in the during the construction for Daytona Rising. Um, then went to Charlotte for the All Star race. And at that point, I had played. This is 2018 now, and I played like NASCAR 15, NASCAR 14 on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Made stop options on YouTube, did reaction videos on YouTube. Had a pretty okay YouTube channel, like I would say maybe 500, 600 subscribers, and okay. Um, at that point, I had heard about, I already known about iRacing because like Jeff Fabiano and like 
Corvo and Abrams like made those YouTube videos about it. And it was like, okay, this is the next cool game. Like, this is cool. But at that point, this is at about the time when William Byron is starting to like make a name for himself. And so yeah. it's like the legitimacy through iRacing is starting to show. Mm-hmm. And so dad and I kind of made a plan of like, okay, if we're going to do this, um, how are we going to do it? And so iRacing became the, 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 the decision. So luckily got on iRacing in 2018, right when they did, debuted the Ignite series and made the, the playoffs and the championship for that series. And I did good enough to where I got noticed after applying for the NASCAR Drive for Diversity Youth Program. Um, and then did the combine for the youth program and ended up doing racing legend cars that summer. And it's really been really fast since and legend cars graduated high school, late models, now ARCA stuff. And now we're in, so I'm a sophomore in college and I live by myself in North Carolina now. It's like, yeah, literally there's, there's so much to unpack. All right, let's start with, uh, let's start with the iRacing aspect because, I find it interesting that you and your dad, you know, you figured out, this is what I want to do. You sat down, you said, how are we going to do this? You went a route that is uncommon. And like Willie B made it a popularized thing. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I started on iRacing and then I started racing in real life. And now I'm an Xfinity champion and I'm a truck winner and I'm a cup winner, all this stuff. But that's not the typical way to do it. The typical way to do it is you start young, you're in go-karts, you move up to Bandoleros, then Legends, then Late Models, and you get discovered, you get funding, et cetera, et cetera, you know. So it's kind of ballsy, honestly, to be like, hey, let's try this. I, th- I feel like I could do it. And not only did you do it, but you did it quicker than Willie B. I mean, I, I think you did. I don't know. I don't have the time on in front of me, but like Willie B, he took his time and he got up to the Bandoleros, and then he ran late models for JRM, and then he won an Xfinity in Trucks and Cup. But you started in the Ignite Series, right? Got discovered and applied to that Drive for Diversity program, and then that kind of spearheaded the real-life racing. So do you look back on it and say, like, I guess it kind of was a little bit of a on-a-whim type of thing to try to make it in the sport as a driver from iRacing alone with no real racing experience competitively? Because looking back on it, I feel like that was a little bit ballsy on your part. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess, well, that's one way to put it. I mean, that was kind of just a, uh, a last resort, I guess, if that's the okay. way to put it. I yeah, yeah. didn't know anybody in, in racing for real. Like, we'd known some people at, at NASCAR and multicultural development um, that it went to Howard. But there's really, also no tracks nearby, you know? Right. Like, like, and then there's, like, I guess Southside's done now, but there's Southside and Shenandoah, but nobody's Dominion, I'm, but... I'm not gonna know about that right like i don't have right, exactly. any exactly i don't know where i'm supposed to what i'm supposed to do so it was really the our only option that we knew about at the moment so we just put all all our eggs in that basket and yeah um it's just history from there so what made you want to get involved as a driver specifically because there's a lot of avenues to take right i mean you're talking to no after this he asked me on his podcast like did you ever want to be a driver and the long story short is I did, but I realized that where I was geographically wasn't going to happen. Didn't have the support financially, emotionally, whatever. So I decided to go a different path. But was it that trip to Richmond in 14 when you saw the cars and you said, I want to do that. I don't want to do anything else. You were dead set on being a driver. Exactly. And I, I vaguely remember this. Um, so basically, um, with how the, like the, you know, how the sun sets like off turn four there. So yeah. 
it's yeah. like kind of weird because it's like a bad glare but for whatever reason like i could see like in the windshields i guess of car of the cup cars when they were qualifying and so i could see like everybody like i'll never forget seeing like like Newman, how his steering wheel is like near his chest, and he's always just like this. And like, yeah. I vividly remember seeing that, and I was just like, "All right, that's it." And probably like that whole thought process didn't like happen because I was like twelve. But I think internally it was just like, yeah, like laser. That's it. Yeah, because a lot of people when they're young, right, they go to the track for the first time with their parents and. They're a wide-eyed kid. They're like, wow, colors, sounds, smells. Oh, my God, this is awesome. But yeah. at that point, you were, I mean, not fully developed in terms of your brain or whatever, but you had the wherewithal to say, like, okay, this isn't just, like, something fun. This is something I actually want to pursue as a career. And that's also differentiating yourself from other people in terms of growing up in the sport and watching it and wanting to have a career in it, having a family in it, et cetera. You got you got into the game late by industry standards, but now you are fully fully caught up. And it seems like that one day at Richmond, clearly you're never gonna forget it. Do you and your dad talk about it at all? And like you know what what could have been if you didn't decide to go that one time? Because wasn't it a surprise too? Uh, not wasn't to there me. one time where you like got in the car and you didn't know where you were going or something, and then you saw oh, Richmond? Oh, oh yes, now I'm remembering all this. Okay, thank you. That just like you're welcome. Okay, so the okay that Richmond race, I remember the full day now. Thank you. So it was a Friday, right? And we, this was like seventh grade, and we had a pep rally, and it was like around the time the ALS ice bucket challenge was happening. And it was funny because we dumped it on like the assistant principals and the principals and like the counselors and stuff. That was fun. I unlocked the memory. Okay. okay. Oh yeah, you unlocked a full memory, right? And I used to bike. <laughs> I used to bike to school because I went to Stuart Hobson. And so I lived on um, K Street. So okay. I, I biked to school. So um went home. And then um, uh, my granddad was in town for a little bit because it was for whatever reason. Um, and then mom said, get in the car. Let's go. And so we all went in the car and I slept like a baby. I remember that and woke up and I saw the grandstands. And then it was just like. But is that really <laughs> happening? So yeah, then walked around the fairgrounds a little bit. Um, I'm sure it's different than it was. It's different then than it was now, or whatever correct English that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess before it was Richmond International then. So, um, man, just walked around, got some Papa John's. I remember that too. And uh, I hate Papa John's, but it's okay. Yeah. If now Papa John's wants to sponsor me, that's one thing. Absolutely. Please hop on. Um. I love Domino's though. And I know Domino's is giving away like $50 million. I saw that commercial the other day. Pay me like two of that, please. It will be the best financial decision of y'all companies. Just tell history. Bubba to hit up Denny. He's got him on his, on his arm. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Anyways, it was a surprise. It was a surprise. Yeah. That must have been a hell of a surprise. I, I had one surprise one time. Uh, it was around my birthday. And I think my parents were going to get it for me for my birthday anyway. But I lost a tooth. And the Tooth Fairy gave me tickets to the Daytona July race. And I looked okay. under my pillow. They were there. It was like the day before my birthday. They are like, yeah, we're leaving tonight. Let's go. I was like, all right, bet. And we went. So I know all about surprises at the racetrack. That was that was nuts. I, I remember the RIR days, too, because now it's just Richmond yeah. Raceway. But before, that was on the logo. It was red, white, and blue. And it was like you had that allure of under the lights and stuff. That was the bet. I was probably at that race. 
to be honest. Yeah, it's still Richmond International in my heart. It's still the 100%. Federated Auto Parts. It's still the Federated Auto Parts 400. Oh yeah. Like, well, I um, I outdate you. It's a Chevy Rock and Roll 400 oh, for me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's respectable too. Kevin Harvick has the bare naked ladies car. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm unlocking memories too. Johnny Sauter won the the uh, Bush race back then in the 21 payday car. It's coming mm-hmm. back. Here we go. <laughs> okay. I remember. I remember watching the one on TV. Or I don't think I watched this live, but I guess I remember watching highlights of, on YouTube of when Junior locked his left front up and sent Kylan to turn one. Oh yeah. And I was just wondering in that race. I was like, well, why is Bobby Labonte like third? I thought the like they weren't good that year, but. I was just another more memories are coming out. Yeah. Well, you also went to Dover a bunch. Um, and I know you went down to Charlotte maybe a couple times. Uh, we relate in that because we have spent many a time stuck in traffic on the beltway, trying to get out to Richmond, get out to Dover, get down to Charlotte, the beltway. You love it. You hate it more times than not when you're sitting in traffic, going to the track, you hate it. Tell me about it. Like literally bro, that whole stretch, like Fredericksburg, Richmond, like I don't Man, like just go like I, uh. I hate it yes even when i'm driving alone i go in the hov lane i probably shouldn't say that on the podcast but yeah I'm bro. about it you-, <laughs> you you don't have my plates it's okay oh boy um all right so we got that you were you're going to dover you're going to richmond all the time down to charlotte as well um, when you started sim racing, though, this obviously was before you started going to the racetrack. Do I have that right? Well, do you consider NASCAR 15 sim racing? Well, the first NASCAR video game I had was NASCAR 2011 on the Wii. And I got it for Christmas Ooh. 2011. Did you have NASCAR cart on the Wii? Uh, I had this little, like, fake PlayStation handheld, and it had, like, a, a NASCAR game, but it was, like, analog. Was it before. a PSP? Bro, I don't know what it was. I do not know. Because I had NASCAR cart on the Wii, and it was straight like a Mario Kart knockoff. It was awesome. Oh, I've never seen that before. Hmm. But but so, is Wii NASCAR considered sim racing or no? For purposes of this conversation, I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, why not? All right. So I guess I started sim racing in 2011 on the Wii. <laughs> What about iRacing then, then? Did that come after you went to the Richmond race in 14? Oh, yeah. That was a whole four-year separation. Richmond was 2014. iRacing June 18th, 2018, I think. June 18th. Damn, or really late. Yeah, very late. Like, so quick. One week before the Ignite Series started is when I got my iRacing subscription. Man. And here you are, three years later, not even. Boom. <laughs> Man. All right, so when you started, like, iRacing in the Ignite series, what did your parents think about it? Because your dad obviously was like, all right, this is going to be a viable option. We're going to try to go down this route. What about your sister and your mom? Were they kind of skeptical? They were like, ah, whatever. He's a teenage boy. He's playing his video games. Um, I would say my mom was a little bit more skeptical. Um, and then and more so it was kind of the notes of, like, okay, do your schoolwork like it's not it's just a game it's like a schoolwork kind of so um that was a little bit hard at first and like there were some definitely tough tough moments in that summer where i would spend time like practicing for the next race like when the playoffs started and then school was starting and then it was like okay like are you doing your schoolwork and i was like yes the playoffs are on monday or whatever like can you like 
So my sister, you know, she just be chilling. So she, it, it don't matter to her. Um, <laughs> but, and then like, obviously as time progressed, like they both like really saw the, the legitimacy behind it. So right. um, I didn't really have that problem of having to explain really what I was doing and why I'm spending however many hours I did that summer in 2018. A lot. A, a lot. And I didn't even have a PC at first. I did it on my MacBook, which is oh god, right here. Oh, it's stuck right there. But it's like dead basically now. But I like split the drive because of that summer. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I tried to like I tried to get on Teamspeak on my Mac to call an iRace during the pandemic, and it was a shit show of epic proportions. Like never doing that again. Apple products and big time programs especially an iRacing racing thing like does not work no sir i can't believe you did that for a whole summer june till end of august and then we did a fundraiser with my friends and family shout out to everybody that helped me out with that i remember like i still have the list of like everybody that like donated like 20 bucks or whatever and never got, forget yeah never forget i got my first pc got my first or i already had a wheel at that point but got my first like iRacing PC. And I had it until this year. And then it kind of bought it on me. So I got a new one. There it is. New and improved. I love it. I saw um I saw Landon Castle and Parker Kligerman. I think Parker was the one that mentioned it. But you know, they knew that you had a following from your YouTube channel and from your social handles before you got into competitive sim racing. So, and I think they asked you if that was kind of like a conscious decision or if it was more so organic, but, and it seems like it was more so organic, um, but it didn't hurt by any means, right? I mean, like, because sim racers don't come in every day and say, well, I want to be a real race car driver. I'm going to take this step and make this connection and do this. You kind of already had all of those connections built in. I mean, like you race with a lot of these people online now and you did back then. So when they heard of the name and when you got accepted to the combine and the diversity program, it wasn't like a, who the heck's this kid? It was like a, oh, I know that guy, which is cool. Yeah, that was a little bit weird too. Um, I mean, it, and to answer your question, it definitely was organic. Like, I really didn't have none of this planned out for real, man. Like, I just kind of was on the idea of like, okay, I'm just do what I know how to do to the best that I can. And then hopefully everything will sort out for itself. Obviously, it's gotten way more complicated, but... I will say it was organic, like to start off, just yeah, doing things that I enjoyed. Whose idea was it to apply to the program? Was it you or your dad's? Oh, uh, it was me. I mean, we had known about it since really 13, 14, um, okay. 13 and 2014. And it was just kind of like a off in the distance, like, oh, we'll, we'll do that. Because you were too young at the time, right? Too young and like. Yeah, yeah. really wasn't doing nothing so or wasn't weren't doing anything so applied and already had known about it and so actually went to the canaan dover race in 2018 in september i think it was september but i met jefferson hodges who was the head over there at rev at the time and he's at penske now i think and or mm -hmm. yeah he's at penske now and um introduced myself to him at some of the guys and um, that kind of helped that relationship too. I think that helped me get picked to be in the program as well. You were the first, uh, participant, I believe that they selected with no real racing background, right? Like you were the first person from iRacing that they had selected. I, I think that's right. Right. Like you were kind of a trailblazer in that respect. 
Yep. I think it's I'm the only person they picked off iRacing mm-hmm. so far. Hopefully, I got one pick. I hope so. The, the combine is like canceled for this year due to COVID, but I hope right. next year or the year after if they do another person for for iRacing. Shameless plug here. Um, but I hope they pick Omar Diallo. Like he's a sim racer. Okay. He's done way more, like and spent more time on there than I did. Right. And so I feel like um he's from Brooklyn. He lives, I believe, on Flatbush. I don't know. I definitely just like name. I hope that he don't have any ops, but he <laughs> from Brooklyn. Um, he's black too, so I feel like Omar is a, a dude with a lot of talent. So I feel like um, he could, if they do it again next year or take a risk on somebody with irising, I feel like Omar would be a good decision to do paying so. Paying it forward, I love it. Look at you, wise beyond your years. You're paying it forward already. I guess. <laughs> I hear you, dude. Um, so you get to the program, right? You start out in some Legends cars. You move up to some late models. I'm curious the transition for you when you got in the Legends car for the first time and when you got in the late model for the first time and you didn't know what you didn't know. So at this point, you know, are you are you close with Bubba? Are you leaning on him for information? Are you talking to Mark? Are you talking to Jefferson? Like, what's the learning process like for you when you're in these cars for the first time? Bro, that first summer was so hard. Like, I, I won't even lie to you. Like... <laughs> Just because I felt like it was, I felt like pressure, really, and I didn't know how to deal with it. Of just my first time, my second time in the legend car was for practice around one of the shootout. And the only other time I had was a test at Concord before it got torn down. So uh, it was hard, but I had, like you said, Mark Green, Matt Booker, Chase Cabry, Nick Sanchez, like a lot of people um, helped me, Kendall Sellers um isabella like was ruben there at that time ruben yeah ruben too um a lot of people just helped me obviously bubba too got to know him a good bit that summer and uh just uh it was hard because i just like you said i did not know what i didn't know and so had all the expectations like i i hope i don't have this post up but i probably still do i said let's go win a championship for the when i got accepted and i was like now I'm thinking, I'm like, bro, what was you thinking? Like Cold that takes exposed. Like, exactly. Like, ugh, you know? Um, yeah. But that, that first summer was hard, but got to the end of it, had a good somewhat baseline of, of knowledge and mm-hmm. tried it out again for the combine in November of 19 or October. Can't remember. Can't remember. But um, overall, then went to late models and did legend cars in 2020. That was also hard for, I guess, a multitude of reasons, too. But, yeah. Well, why was it hard? Let me know. Well, so, I guess, since I was still very green, and I'm still green to this stuff now, but I was still just, like, trying to figure out legend cars. And on top of that, now learning how to be in the stock car. And so, like, first of all, visually, being in a wide and low race car. Yeah. Sight lines are totally different. Being in a having more power, although the bias ply Hoosiers have a a good amount of grip compared to the radial tires, but um, having more grip deceivingly um, and going to way more technical racetracks, going to Hickory, Myrtle Beach, Greenville, Florence, Tri County, South Boston, etc. And 
they may not seem technical because they're short tracks, but every place has got their different nuances and you've oh, got yeah. to figure out how to get around them joints. So um, that was hard of trying to just compute all this information on top of the fact that just graduated high school on the computer, hmm. all the, the civil unrest and social injustice stuff that was coming to light last year mm-hmm. and having to figure out how to mentally deal with that, uh, obviously for obvious reasons. Yeah. Starting college in the fall and then moving here for the first time and being by myself two weeks before school starts. And then we go to Myrtle Beach and then we go to Florence and then 80 bajillion things. It's a lot. A lot. And I would not have made it out if I did not have like a supportive family and friends and like a a loving group around me. Um, But that was really hard, I guess, more so for the off the racetrack stuff on top of the fact of, of about like how hard it was just to figure stuff out. And like Mark told me, like, you're the only one that knows because you're the one driving the race car. And that, believe it or not, puts a lot, a lot of pressure on you because that means you're the computer. You've got to judge these things. And so um, it's just that, that, that summer last year was pretty hard for those purposes. But I think around September is when it started to, to, everything started to click and then it's really been been money i guess in september no i believe it let's let me stick on the off track stuff for a second because as you mentioned a lot of people might may say you know oh he's this kid you know he's moving down to north carolina he's driving race cars he's pursuing his dream he's getting a degree while he's doing it that's awesome wow what a great life and it is but that doesn't mean that it's insanely stressful and especially given what was going on in the country at that time um, you having to learn everything from square one inside the race car. And at that point, and still like, this is your livelihood. Like you've committed, this is what you're going to do. Uh, there's no option of failure. Like that's not on the table. How did you navigate that? Who did you lean on? Um, you know, take me through the rough times and, you know, I, everybody has those days where like nothing goes right. You're super stressed out. You come home and you just want to like scream and cry. And I'm sure that you've had those types of days before, and having them all of last year during a pandemic, worrying about health, worrying about safety, civil unrest in the country. Like you said, there's a lot of stuff going on there. So take me to that that summer and those mindsets that you had to kind of work through. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, this is probably not a good thing. For the most part, I really kept a lot of stuff like bottled up internally, and that's probably like not a good... I'll be your tend- shrink. Let's go. Yes. So, and now like my girlfriend, now MJ, she has been helping me to not do that. So progress. Right. But like summer, like, bro, like, so I graduated or I moved down here like the beginning of June, like the first or second week of June. And so I felt like throughout quarantine and stuff, like I feel I was like, was fortunate that nobody that I knew or, or none, nobody in my family really was affected by COVID outside of like maybe job related but no not no health issues so with that being said like i was active like i was biking 20 30 miles a day like really just doing stuff and i started live streaming on iRacing doing different things on there and um that's around the time you know the george floyd um thing happened and then or george george floyd's murder happened in a couple weeks before i left dc and then went down to dc and then started getting ready for the first late model race had our first legend car races of the summer and then 
uh, Talladega happens and then the whole firestorm that that is and then having to be this the Bubba's obviously dealing with with the main stuff but you know I'm still getting some of it as well so really not knowing how to deal with it and you know having like coach Horton having dad Rocco Bubba Brandon Thompson like a lot of people kind of steering me in the right direction mentally but at the same time like nobody's in your own head so nobody kind of has the whole grasp of it or the story of what you're thinking about so um I think that's how it I guess started and then it got better I mean the therapy for it was just racing like and just mm -hmm. I guess distracting myself a little bit from it and being absorbed by trying to get better on the racetrack like right here is is my post-race notebook and I started it June 27th last year for Hickory and you know didn't run worth anything and this is when uh, no no racetracks were open besides like Hickory or Tri-County or maybe Ace and um well, that's when racing against like for my first or second and third late model races racing against Josh Berry, Timothy Peters, Lane Riggs, like legitimate late model stock dudes, like the best in the world and really having to, to navigate that. Um, and so in this notebook, I'm kind of jumping all around, but this is, this was kind of how I distracted myself a little bit because I would just kind of break down, I guess my thought process throughout the race and yeah. things that I need to work on for next race. And I would have just pages and pages. And now we've, now this is Milwaukee from last time or Sunday. So um, that's kind of how I distracted myself. Right. I, I really focused on try to consume myself with racing and then college came throughout the summer. And then, so having to, and I know you know this because you went to school, but like the freshman, the summer before freshman year is like stressful for no reason because there's like so many things you got to do. You got to like financial stuff like, OK, are you living on campus? Are you doing this healthcare, this, that and the other? Like so many things that you have to worry about. So yep. um, I think by September is kind of when I was able to just kind of calm down a little bit. And at that point. I was living by myself too. So it wasn't like I could go into my sister's room and bother her and hang out with her. Like echo, like there's, there's nobody here. <laughs> so I hope that answered your question. That was that whole summer was kind of a big learning process with me in terms of I was developing into a young man and like, you know, going to the grocery store and folding my clothes and like cleaning my living space. Like life as an it, adult. Yeah, like things that may seem pretty basic, really just being, okay, do it now. And we're racing on Saturday. And, oh, you got class at 9 in the morning. And then we got um, this, that, and the other. So no, by no means complaining or anything, but just kind of painting the I picture. Totally of like, just like, okay, it has been a flustering little bit of time, I guess, for me. On top of the fact of like, it's what me, Bubba, Jesse, Hayden Swank, but he races late models, LeVar. Uh, I can't think of anybody else of, of black people that race. Mm -hmm. So having that, I guess, over your head as well. Um, so it's now that I think about it, it's a lot. A lot. So it is. Yeah. It is. 
There's a lot of places I want to go. Uh, you mentioned being one of the three drivers that uh, are African-American in NASCAR right now, at least, you know, on the national level and on national stage. There's been a lot of talk uh, in the industry, outside of the industry, about all the awesome stuff that NASCAR has done, banning the flag. Um, they gave the trophy to Wendell's family this past weekend at Daytona. That was awesome. Finally, long time coming. They've done a ton of unreal stuff to take progressive steps, and they've done a really good job of it. Steve Phelps, Brandon Thompson, like they should all be commended. But there's still a lot of work left to be done. And uh, excuse it because we're getting a little serious here. But I know recently you were tweeting about um, an altercation that happened at a local short track. Forgive me, I don't, I don't remember where it was. But um, there was a racial slur that was uttered your way. And I wanted to get your perspective on that because I'm sure that unfortunately that's not the first time you've heard that. And it's probably not going to be the last time that you've heard that because people are scumbags. Um, but, you know, having Bubba as a mentor, he's obviously gone through some similar situations on a way bigger stage. Jesse posts all the time about some of the really hateful messages that he gets. Um, but you are not immune to that either. And you're not even 20 years old. So navigating the racial component of your career, of your life in a sport and, you know, an industry that historically is conservative and historically is dominated by white males, it has to be not easy for you to navigate that. So I just want to get your perspective on that. And the incident that you, you were tweeting about that happened at a local short track, that's just kind of one example of a bigger problem that we still need to solve. Yeah. Um. So I hate to say it, man, but for one real thing quick first. I should not have access to Twitter post race because <laughs> I don't get, think anybody should. Right, exactly. So and with the incident that happened, um and like you know, I I can't control other people, right? Um, so I kinda I hate to say it, but somewhat used to that stuff and I know I can't control other people, so mm -hmm. you know, why am I gonna lose sleep over it? Now if something was like violent or something, then that's a different situation, but luckily it wasn't at that level so um i think i need to not have access to my phone after the race just to like not get hot fingers especially after a a a, a finish like that and then what happened after the fact so mm -hmm. i mean overall man like and i've talked with my dad about it coach horton rocco williams like i can't control other people and I hate to say it, but it's kind of good that stuff like that happens because people are hating and it's probably for, cause I'm, you know, up front and like competing for race wins. So, yeah. um, I can't control other people, Davey. Um, I know if I just race my hardest and give it my all on and off the racetrack, everything hopefully should sort itself out. When did you first meet Bubba? Did you seek him out? Did he seek you out as a mentor and a mentee type relationship? And I also want to point out that if you guys have the time and you'd want to, go to Raja's Instagram right now or probably on his Twitter and find the really old pics of Raja with the afro and the braces and the glasses with Bubba because those are unbelievable. I had to. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I got my glasses on now is because it's the end of the month, so I'm waiting on my next contact. So uh -huh. um, I met Bubba... 2018 at the all-star race at charlotte um so i'm again at richmond in the fall and then that's kind of how it just snowballed 
Um, but like when you first met him though, were you like, Hey, I want to be a driver. Like, this is what I'm doing. Or was it more so just like, hi, Bubba, you're my favorite driver. Uh, I, bro, I don't even remember the first conversation because <laughs> bro, like he, um, he almost had the, the open one, but I don't know. I, I still don't know. Like he got hung out to, to dry there. Um, but I don't know. I feel like they had something go miss on that car too. But, um, I think I was just like, Hey, what's up? I know you just lost, but I appreciate you. Something like that. I don't remember. Um, yeah. And so just kind of rest is history. So how did it evolve from there though? Because clearly now, like you guys are, you guys are buddies. Like, like you guys are tweeting at each other all the time. I'm sure that you lean on him for a ton of advice. Um, because honestly, going back to the racial component, like he is one of the only people that understands kind of what you've gone through and have been going through and vice versa. So like, how did that relationship from, sorry, you lost, but you're the man, you're my favorite driver to now he's literally like a life coach, a driver coach, a big mentor for you. Yeah. It is weird to think about it like that. Um, I think he had, he think DM me after the summer of 19, uh because we did a a uh, a panel the national association for black journalism or journalists mm -hmm. in miami in the in like august of 2019 and i think he dm me after that and like we just like started up conversations or whatever and um we talked about like the shootout and stuff before daytona hung out with them at daytona mm -hmm. really i'd had hot passes so i'd be around in their holler or hanging with them at uh, Richmond, at Dover, at Charlotte, at Daytona. So you were so just always that kid that's around. I was there. And so, like, now I know, like, Jerry Baxter over there and, and like, Hobbs and guys over there at RPM and, and yeah. Brad. Um, and so it just evolved over time. And um, really just to the point where now I can lean on him for really anything, and he's there for me. And I really, really appreciate it. Uh, going back to the late model stuff for a second. So you got your first win there at Greenville Pickens last year. Um, before we get into that specifically, did you know that that came 10 years after Bubba did the same thing at that same track? Were you aware of that? I, I did not know that. That's yeah. pretty cool. I, th I think it was 10 years from when you won. He won his first late model race. I think it was with Rev at the same track. And that's pretty cool. And even though I don't think it was the same number, but you drive the six in Arca. He drove the six in Xfinity for a while. So I don't know. I feel like that's kind of cool, you know? Yeah, it's definitely cool. Um, hopefully we can get some more K&N or some Arca wins with that number and get Absolutely. Max some more Arca wins too. That's right. All right, take me back to that night though at Greenville Pickens because I remember I was following along on Twitter because um, whenever I see you at the racetrack, you know, I saw you at the Glen the other day, and you're like, yo, we're racing Twins at Hickory tomorrow. So I always tune in, and I always try to follow along as best I can. Um, that night, though, like pulling into victory lane, finally celebrating with your guys, and then seeing the reaction pour in on social media afterwards, I know you're probably not going to forget that night to long days. Yeah, that was a pretty surreal day because I was actually, that morning, I was late to the shop to leave in the van to drive down there. Oh, you're um, that guy? Unfortunately, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I can't be doing that if we're going to do Xfinity stuff next year. But all right. <laughs> we're, we're improving. Yeah, um, small gains. Small gains. But that day was kind of crazy. And I remember we were driving down 85, and this UPS truck, like, hit this light pole. It was, like, the weirdest thing. I was like, 
what is happening today? Like, <laughs> what is going on? Started um, off bad. Start off, sorry, yeah, started off weird, bad, but got some hotcakes and sausage from McDonald's, so that was a good. And then got to the racetrack and then had practice and stuff, or had the morning test, had practice, went good, um, good enough. And then in the first race, I actually finished second by like half a car, a third of a car. Like, man, we're talking this close. Yeah. Um, and then so that was pretty nifty to have those experiences of racing up front. Cause I've, I had it a little bit beforehand, like at Florence blew up while running second on the 4th of September last year. And then last year, also September 26th at Hickory. Um, I believe it was due to invert. I don't know if it was due to invert or not, but um, was leading for a little bit in the second twin. And then Sam Butler passed me. And so that was kind of like, Oh dang. You that got him down there. to the dates too. Race car driver, yeah. never forget. Like elephants, man. Um, but so it was kind of just the culmination of like, okay, I'm starting to piece things together. And so um, come uh, October 3rd, it was just the night that it worked out for us. Um, and yeah, simple. So I wasn't going to let you go without hitting on some good old 202 content because that's what we're here <laughs> for. That's what people came here for, whether they know it or not. Oh, hell yes. I love those. For everybody that can't see, obviously, Raja, show me. Are those custom New Balances with the DC flag on them? So they are custom, but it's not like a, a one-time thing. Like So yeah, yeah. the hashtag is June made that. Um, it's the DC 992. And so this is like, I believe it's a student from DC. I'm not sure, but it's so something it's like a collaboration with DTLR. So it's got the flag back there. Yeah. The 992 and New Balance, the 992 and 990 is like a very popular DMV shoe. Mm -hmm. So I've got like, I got three pairs of them from DTLR and New Balance. So, um, nice. shout out DC, but DC questions. Yes. DC questions. Uh, first of all, people are like, wait, DMV, what? I'm not even going to let, I'm not even going to explain it. I'm just going to let people try to marinate on that. Cause I saw a TikTok like explaining what the DMV was. Oh, like bro, growing up I, in Maryland, I like that it was Delaware, bro. I was like, "What? No shot! Come on, no!" And Baltimore's not in the DMV. No, it's not. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll tell the people: the DMV is DC, Maryland, parts of Maryland, and Virginia, parts of Virginia. Right, and we're in, not. And in Maryland, where I grew up, we do not go to the Department of Motor Vehicles, the DMV. We go to the MVA, the Maryland Vehicle Administration. So when you say go to the DMV, I'm thinking you're coming to my area. Thank you. When we say parts of Virginia, we're not talking about Fairfax. We're not no. talking about uh, Old Tyson's Corners, okay, I think. We're yeah, not talking about We're Fairfax. talking Nova, Northern Virginia. <laughs> kind of, yes. okay, yeah. But we're not talking about Springfield. We're not talking about anything south of the Springfield Metro Station. No. Usually and where there's a racetrack, that's not the DMV. We're not yeah. talking Langley. We're not talking Richmond. We're not talking Chesterfield. Like, no. Sorry, Denny. Denny's not from the DMV. Not even Dominion. Sorry for all my no. Dominion. Sorry, um, uh, Mason Diaz, if you're listening. No, yeah, not sorry. Dominion either. Sorry, Mason and Michael. Um, yeah. And then for Maryland parts, I would say Montgomery County is the cutoff. MoCo, let's get it. MoCo, that's the cutoff. Yeah, MoCo, Laurel. PG, but not Baltimore. Not Baltimore. Laurel is okay. Mm -hmm. Largo is okay. Yeah. Um, College P Park? College Park, that's, yeah. that's yeah. acceptable. PG County is yeah. okay. 
Yeah. I had all my track meets at PG County, so I'll, I'll accept that too. Yeah, you ran track in high school, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I could have. Bro, if I like really, really tried and track and track and I didn't end up racing, I could definitely be like a a 800 or 400 runner in the Olympics. Not the actually, I don't know about Olympics, but but college. I was about to say, is he getting ready to say the Olympics? I was kind of, like, damn. I was kind of, I was kind of the captain there, but college, <laughs> I think, yes. Yeah. So you you did that for a for a while, and you were good. Yeah, I ran track from sixth to twelfth grade, and luckily I didn't hurt myself, so I was able to like nice. continue to progress. And if I didn't end up racing, I feel like that senior year, like obviously COVID kind of threw it out for a, a whim, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I really could have been good, good, you know. But yeah, hey, we're racing, so I ain't got no no complaints. I'd pay money to see uh, the national series drivers line up at the start finish line and do like a hundred meter dash. I feel like you got you'd have them all beat. That's that's torn hamstrings and ACLs, bro. Like not for you. So the Stay reason in why shape. Said, come on now, you got a nice gym over at Rev. But the reason why I said I wasn't injured then, because now I'm kind of injured because a couple of months ago I was hooping and I hurt myself. I learned the hard way after everybody was telling me, stop hooping. You're not a hooper. Damn. I can still shoot, though. I got hops, but I'm you. Dun- I saw a video of you dunking. Right. Was that a 10 foot hoop? That was a 10 foot hoop. No, that was 10 not. feet. That was 10 feet. OK. You ain't got to believe me. I know it was 10 feet. Was it really? Yes. You ain't got to believe me, bro. Damn, I thought it was like eight feet or something. Mm-mm. Just for everybody listening. Were you with Dontre? That time, yeah, he recorded it. That was like All my right. first attempt, too. I'm about like, to text him right after this and ask him if it was actually. All right, bet, bet. Say <laughs> what? Like, just for people listening, I'm 5'7", five, 5'8", five, right? I'm not tall, but I have bunnies or had bunnies. I'm getting my legs <laughs> back now because I've been hurt. Uh-huh. So what can I say? Well, I'm 5'10", overweight, white, and I have no bounce, so. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know how Sean Marion shoots the basketball, like, from a chest pass type thing? Oh, God. That's me. That's all. Oh, no. Yeah. But when I'm hot, I'm hot. Fair. I'm usually not, so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of basketball, though, I know you're a big basketball dude. The Wizards, our Wizards. Who, by the way, we could do a whole podcast on the Wiz, but uh, I digress. They honored you at a game. I think that was for Black History Month when you were back home. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Wow, that was that seems like I a did long some stalking ago. on your Instagram, bro. Yeah, <laughs> that feels like a long time ago. That was definitely like a year and a half. So that's kind of crazy how that feels like ancient, which is not that long in the grand scheme, you know. Right, exactly, and it feels yeah. very weird. But did yes, they win that I'll- night? Do you remember? Bro, I'm pretty sure, like, Leah Leave wanted early. to go home. We left early because my little sister, I think, wanted to go home. And I yeah. think I just called my racing. Are you also a uh, football team slash cap slash DC United slash every other DC sport, Nationals? Are yep. you a fan of all those teams, too? Yep. Unfortunately and fortunately for some. Yeah, too. exactly. And I don't even watch, like, football like that, for real. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I was going to ask about college football, but let's talk about college for a little bit. You mentioned you're a sophomore right now in Winston-Salem State. What are you studying? I don't even know what you're studying. Motorsports management. That's a major there. Mm-hmm. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Sorry. I'm I feel like looking. it's made for you. Yes. Um, 
It's pretty legit because I think next year for like the courses that are pertaining to the actual major, I can relate it to somehow what I'm doing. So right. that means like hopefully like no papers or presentations. I hope so. You need to have cool professors that'll be like, oh, he's racing. Like, you know, I'll get, I'll let him off easy with an assignment. Facts, facts. But I think I already got some of those. So I think we're good. Okay, Drink, good. Knock on wood. Uh, on a serious note, though, it probably is pretty hard to balance, like, being a full-time college student. You're online, right? You're not living on campus? Yeah. yeah. So it's probably hard to balance that with pursuing your racing, also having a social life, also sticking close to your family who's not geographically close. Like, I, I, I know it because I worked a lot in college, but I don't know it because I didn't work as much as you, and I'm not pursuing a racing career on the side. Like, it's tough. Yeah. Bro... I'm not going to lie. Like, sometimes I'm just like, like, just to pay my schedule right now. So I'm like at the shop, like most of the week and stuff, but I've got three classes or four classes on Mondays and when or Mondays, it's 1020 to 1130 something. And then 430 to 550 something. And then on Wednesday, I have those classes, but then I have another one from six to 830. You're giving me flashbacks right now. And then, well, I have one class that's asynchronous. And here are my textbooks for the literature class and microeconomics. Oof. And then, God, like I do some almost space station for my racing stuff. Uh -huh. So I got to stream sometimes during the week. And then at the racetrack at the weekend, whether I'm racing when or do I got to eat. I eat when like do you same. hoop? When do you see your girlfriend? Like, <laughs> you got no time to do anything dude bro that is hard man but i, I wouldn't change the world like it's oh, it's like you said it's good problems that to have to be busy for this yeah. reason so <laughs> trying hard all right some quick hitters because i know i got to get you out of here soon um i know that you have some die casts of your own whenever you post that little uh shelf on snapchat you got that harvick car there it's close to my heart uh, I imagine it had to be pretty badass to get one of your own cars that you have driven as a diecast for the first time. That was pretty, that was surreal. It just, it just didn't like click yet. To be honest, man, like nothing has really set in to be like, whoa, this is actually happening. Like, I still feel like it's a simulation. Like, <laughs> I feel like if when something sits, sinks in for real, like I will like just bust out in tears. I really hope that doesn't happen because that would yeah. be very embarrassing. But pull a Brad Perez at the Glen. That I love Brad. That was so awesome. Like I was I there working, working that or working that race with Rev, and um, yeah. that was awesome to see him yeah. like great. It was like yes, but our boy. Yes, exactly. That's our man. But um, I forgot the main. Okay, schedule. It's crazy. I'm literally. MJ texted me earlier in class. He's like, let's talk later about scheduling because we got to help you out. So I got a, I got a, my planner right here. Wait, I lost it right here. We got, we got like this, this is like this week. Um, It's not that much yet, but your life in, gives me chaotic energy. Yeah. It's starting to fill in now. <laughs> this is like the whole month so far. It's not yep. that bad yet but got tests and papers and two races this month yeah. i think and one big event i hear you dude 
Uh, also, I think it's really funny because you're like, wait, what was the question? And then you talked about scheduling. That wasn't the question. I asked you about the die cast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the die cast. So I'm messing with you. You already answered it pretty much. Oh, I, mean, just, okay. I, asked, I asked you about how like it's cool to have your own die cast and you're like, wow, it hasn't really sunk in. It feels like a simulation, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Sorry, my speakers just changed because my AirPods died. Um, all right. You're also on the cover of some magazines. You've been in a lot of big time publications. You're not even 21 years old. Like, what's the coolest opportunity, whether it be media, uh, photo shoot, people that you've gotten to meet, whatever? What's the coolest thing that you think you've gotten to do because of this whole racing thing? Uh, the coolest thing I've gotten to do so far is this is not from the driver's seat, right? Okay. Yeah. It could be whatever oh, you want. Yeah. So from the driver's seat, racing at Dover, but out of the car, it has to be, it's hard to say just one. There've been some cool ones this year, like some cool events and things that we've done with, with the Arca series, whether it's been going to museums, meeting kids, doing different activations and stuff. What about getting a, didn't you do like a Louis Vuitton photo shoot? right yes but that was like, like i'm just ago. filling in these gaps for you yeah bro <laughs> there's so many things i forgot yes that photo shoot happened 2019 well i was kind of surprised because i feel like you're more of like a jordan's guy even though you had those new balances so bubba's probably going to give you some shit for that but i feel like you're more of a jordan's guy and i know you got him right there you were wearing him for the announcement i appreciate you i know you got him on deck uh but when i saw you in a louis vuitton photo shoot i was like Oh, this man fancy now. Okay. All right. But I think that was just a fad. You don't strike me as a Louis Vuitton guy. I am not that type of flash person. Like literally like my girlfriend will be mad at me because I wear, I'll wear like basketball shorts and Jordans out somewhere in like a NASCAR shirt. I'll be like, Oh, this is a good fit. And she'll be like, Nope. Put on some pants. I have never related to you more. <laughs> so <laughs> for yeah, real, <laughs> I'm not the type of person to like, buy like louis or or like gucci clothes like oh i know it was I'm, cool that you were in that photo shoot though yeah it was it was very cool and again yeah. if they'd like to sponsor you obviously hop on board thanks best decision you can ever make yep. best decision isn't there um isn't there like a dc artist or like a dc brand that has like an associate sponsorship for you this year mm -hmm. a life well dressed and so right. they a uh, life well dressed and somewhere and the museum hope i'm not missing any so yeah every all of them have helped me out and then michael and everybody at a life well dressed helped make my merch and so that's how that kind of has got going i love it i love it okay uh we talked about you dunking on the 10 foot hoop that i thought was eight feet had that in my notes um i again this goes back to the stalking where'd you get that speed racer costume that you dressed up as halloween for that one year i feel like i need one of those and the Jimmy Johnson one, you're very cute in that one. But I feel like the speed uh, race uh, that was nice. Oh man, I don't know where those are. They're somewhere. They're they're probably in storage in DC. <laughs> probably, yeah. I did I did some deep stalking, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> um, all right. Uh the Saint Vincent and I think it's pronounced Grenadines. Is that what it is? That's the flag <laughs> that's in your bio. Is that where one of your parents are from? Yeah, so my dad's side of the family is from Saint Vincent. Um my mom's And your mom's I from London. Mm hmm. So, well, she was born there, but 
originally my mom's side of the family is also from the Caribbean in Barbados. Oh, got you. Okay, and cool. So, and then there's Portuguese roots too, a whole nine yards if you wow. want to really go down the Caruth family tree. Have you gotten to like visit any of these crazy places, whether it be the Caribbean or Portugal mm -hmm. or London? I've not been to Portugal yet, but I've been been to London. I really like London. I, I like going to the Caribbean too. It's just yeah. been, it's been a while, and now like more of the financial stuff has gone towards racing. So kind of mm -hmm. that travel has been out of the window, I guess, or out the window. Yeah. So soon, I want to see my granddad and my cousins and aunts and whatnot. So yeah, can I get your best British accent, please? Nope, that sounds like a terrible. I idea. need it. Mm, Non-negotiable, bro. I'm sorry, I cannot do it. I'll do it with you. It's not that hard. You just got to get mm -hmm. it in, that was in, in, your, in good. your mouth. There. That was pretty good. Funny story. Whenever my mom gets pissed, her like, uh, Islander slash British accent will come out, and it's the most terrifying thing ever. <laughs> I don't I'm know what it would be like to hear like a Caribbean <laughs> accent mixed with a British one. That's that's interesting. I. Keep it that way. It's terrifying. <laughs> Maybe I should. I'll head on over to K Street. I'll just knock on your door. And be like, "Hey, weird question, but uh, <laughs> do you mind just getting mad at Raj? I just call him real quick and just berate him." <laughs> uh. All right. A couple more things. Are you an actor? Because I saw that you were on uh, BET's The Family Business. I think you and your dad were on there, right? Yes, bro. Am I just unlocking all these things? Yes, that totally forgot I forgot about? I did that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm not See, everybody like most people be like, oh, yeah, I was in this show. I did this photo shoot. I, I surprised at the track, whatever. You just forget all these things because you're so busy. I literally forgot, bro. But I mean, that was cool. I, I get like I have a terrible stage fright thing. I had that since I was like in fifth grade. I was forced to do like all the plays to get over the fear. It just made it worse. I hate <laughs> like, bro, especially before the announcement yesterday, like like talking in front of people like that's something i'd be getting nervous for yeah literally like that like <sighs> but um you're good at it though you're getting better uh, i guess i honestly like i like the start of the podcast i could tell you were like race car driver raja like you were kind of like you were you were holding it close to the vest a little bit but as we got a little bit more into it you let your real self shine through so i'm proud of you for that thanks that's the way to do it you should do that all the time uh, okay, fine. <laughs> you got a little Bubba in you. I can tell. Cool. That's that's a compliment. Thanks. It is. It is for real. All right. I'm going to end with um kind of a sentimental thing, but I thought it was really, really cool. Um, Speaking of the stalking that I did on your Instagram, because what, what better things do I have to do? I don't work six jobs or anything. Oh, wait, I do. Um, Your second ever Instagram post. It was a picture of cars going around Dover. And you said that you'd be on the other side of the fence someday. And you did that this year and you're going to do it again next year. And for years and years to come on all tracks over the NASCAR circuit, but Dover holds a special place in your heart. So that's pretty badass that you manifested it and it came to life. That is pretty surreal. Um, I remember that post. Cause that day I met um, I didn't meet any drivers. Oh, Yes, I met Trevor Bain at We the Pizza or some pizza place that's like down DuPont Highway from the racetrack or up Grottos. Some whatever pizza place. I don't know. Some pizza place. I met Trevor Bain. He had his family there. Back. But man, like I told like I told you, like 
it'll sink in one day and I will just be like a whole little baby. But I hope that day doesn't come. So, yeah. But that post, I remember that trip. Um, that was a Saturday trip for the Xfinity race. And that was fun. I went with dad and my little sister, Leah. I say little sister. She's 16. She started 11th grade this month or this week. Oh, yeah, like, man, how they, why is it going so fast? Like, you know, but, man, I just – I feel – at the end of the day, I feel very thankful just to have a chance to chase my dreams. Like, I feel like every single person have things that they want don't, that, that they, that they want to do, and most of the time it doesn't work out and they don't get to even have a shot at it. And so not only do I have a chance at it, like I have repeated opportunities to continue to improve. So – like, although a lot of times I feel very overwhelmed and stressed about things, I, I still have to remind myself, like, bro, you may feel crappy now, but, like, just remember, like, people would do a lot of things to get, you know, to a spot like this right now. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I try to remain thankful, even in the times where I feel very overwhelmed and stressed out. It's very well said. It's very well said. Um, I know we uh, we give each other crap a lot, and uh, we have a very jovial relationship. But I'm really proud of you, man. I love that. Like whenever you pop up, they like show the little graphic, hometown Washington D.C. My heart is beaming with pride for the 202. So uh, I can't say it enough, dude. Awesome stuff coming. Congrats on the announcement. Congrats on a great season so far. I know that you're wanting to finishing it off with some wins, and you'll do the same next year. But and also, thanks for the time. You gave me like Dale Jr. download type time today. Uh, but like I said, been a long time coming. You have been a loyal listener of the show before you were even a thought of going to the Xfinity Series and having any National Series starts. You were right here with me on Victory Lane. So I appreciate you for being a long time listener. I appreciate you for being a long time homie. And I'm really proud of you and I'm happy for you, brother. Thanks, Davey. I appreciate it. We'll uh, can't wait for the next one. Yes, sir. And we're back. Welcome back, people. God, that was a great conversation, wasn't it? I love talking to Raja. He's such a homie. Uh, Known him for a handful of years now. Because when I found out that there was a driver from D.C. that actually was pursuing NASCAR, I was like, no way. This this cannot be right. And it was. And it's awesome. So we're really happy for Raja. We're a pro Raja Karuth podcast. Yes, we are still unbiased, but we can be happy for people that are doing good things. So, again, congratulations to Raja. Happy for you, brother. And we're looking forward to seeing what success you have, not only for the rest of this year, but next year and beyond. Let's chit-chat a little bit about Darlington, the playoff opener, obviously, this weekend. The Cookout Southern 500. It doesn't really feel like a crown jewel weekend just because it's the playoff opener, but it is a crown jewel. And even though by mileage it's not the longest race of the season, every driver says that it feels way longer than the Coke 600 because it's so hot. It's so grueling. Darlington will eat you up, chew you up, spit you out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The lady in black does not play no games. It's the track too tough to tame for a reason, people. The 16 playoff drivers, as we mentioned earlier on in the show, they are all starting up front. But my question is, how are the non-playoff drivers going to race them? I talked to Eric Jones for the Front Stretch podcast this week. And he basically said, I'm not really going to race them any different. You obviously give them a little bit more space if and when the time comes. And Phoenix, that's kind of an unspoken respect thing. But for the nine races leading up to the championship, you don't really race them any different. Uh, But from his perspective and probably every every other non-playoff driver, 
if you are racing up front with them, that's a good thing for you. That means that you are running well and you're running up front. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. And it's a very heavy 750 horsepower package centric first round. All three tracks have that package. Um, you got Richmond, you got Darlington, and you got Bristol. And um, that's going to be interesting to watch because some teams are better on 750 tracks than they are on 550 tracks and vice versa. So we'll see if drivers that are strong in the first round are just as strong in the round of 12 and then the round of eight because obviously things can fluctuate. Be sure to check out all the action this weekend, though. Xfinity on Saturday, Truck Series on Sunday morning, and the Cup Series as well, the Cookout Southern 500 Sunday evening. It's the evening because it's the Southern 500 into the night. 6 p.m., you can catch all the action on NBCSN. Lug Nuts of the Week! Cue that funky music, white boy. Kurt Busch to 2311 Racing is official. He will drive the number 45 car. 2311 got the blessing from the Petty family because that was Adam Petty's number. And in the release video, they also showed the number move forward on the door. NASCAR confirmed that that number placement will indeed change for next season. Starcom Racing has sold their charter, according to CatchFence.com. JTG Doherty plans to be a one-car team in 2022. And Noah Gregson is going to be back with Junior Motorsports next season. So that's some silly season news. A, a little trio there for you. Austin Dillon's going to run the three-car on Sunday in the Cup Series. And he's also going to run for Jordan Anderson Racing in the Xfinity Series at Darlington. So some more seat time for him, even though he's not a playoff contender. The next-gen tire test is going to be at Daytona International Speedway next Tuesday and Wednesday. Eight drivers, Austin Dillon, Denny Hamlin, Chris Busher, Joey Logano, Cole Custer, William Byron, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Ross Chastain will be participating in that test. Obviously, Alpha Prime Racing was announced, formed with Tommy Joe Martin and Cesar Baccarella. We talked about that at length with Raja. You guys know that. Fifth Third Bank, they have extended their partnership with Roush Fenway Racing for the next few years. Dylan Lupton had a trio of announcements. He's doing the final four truck races for Rayum Brothers Racing. He's also going to run two Xfinity races with Sam Hunt Racing. And he's going to be in a KBM truck this weekend at the Lady in Black. So good for Dylan. Trio of announcements. Very cool to see. And last but not least, the guest on the Front Stretch podcast for next week, Jack Wood, is returning to GMS Racing full-time in 2022. So be sure to check out that show next week if you have not already subscribed. And that'll wrap things up for episode 123 of Victory Lane 2.0. It's kind of hard to believe we have 123 episodes. That's, that's pretty wild. Anyways, please, if you feel so inclined, it really helps me out and helps spread the word about the show if you leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if that's not your podcast player of choice, no problem. Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, anywhere you get your pods, we should be available there for your consumption. And if we're not, drop me a line and we'll try to rectify that issue for you. We will have on another guest from the NASCAR world next week. Already have it recorded, so excited for you guys to hear that one. I'll give you a hint. It may not be spicy, but it may be related to some spice. I'll let you marinate on that one. Enjoy the racing at Darlington this weekend. Stay safe, please. Get vaccinated if you haven't already done so. And I'll catch you on the flip side.